Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan. And I'm Laura. I'd like to start by thanking the sponsor of our live Q&As, Enduro, high-quality, high-energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Joe Skyser from Go Getter, who will be picking what he thinks is the best question, and they will win a bag of Enduro Plus. Welcome, Joe. How are you going? Yeah, if I remember. <laughs> How's it going, mate? Um, tell us a bit about yourself, mate, your family, where you're from, what you do. Yeah, going well. Um, grew up in Melbourne, um, teacher, doctor, missionary, Baptist missionary parents. Um, uh, so, yeah, got to see a bit of the world with them and um, and hopefully they brought me up well. I was always the, um, the black sheep getting in trouble and out with the animals, probably had every animal known to... Um, to, to man in my in my childhood just love love being with animals wow, awesome mate and uh now what are you doing these days yeah so i divide my time probably equally between a little bit of stock work and i only just do that to um to give the dog some work to be honest with you i'm getting a bit old for it all now um and then um training and breeding dogs here here on our small little property and and um then doing uh clinics as well yeah right yeah and you're how far out of melbourne are you yeah so 300 k's from melbourne so we're we're right out in the sticks um it was actually interesting when i first um left melbourne i went and worked for food and board for tim austin and yep. he's out Coleraine, Caston and Way, and I went out there and I thought, this is the arse end of the universe. How do people live out here? And now I go to Melbourne and I go, this is the arse end of the universe. How do people live here? So uh, things have changed a lot. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Definitely. So how did your passion for working dogs and livestock come about? Okay, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a drawn-out story. I'll try to abbreviate it when, when we went to a holiday farm. They were going to put down a litter of pups, uh, Kelpie, Kelpie Collie Cross. Um, we all cried and carried on and begged with mum and dad and they eventually caved and let us take them and find them homes. We ended up keeping one called Mate um, and he was a great dog for me and, and um, slowly got more and more interested in the working side of it and, and, and eventually that's what brought me to the country. Yeah, beautiful, mate. And um, this mentioned before that um, you're only working um, your dogs a little bit um, to give them some work. So um, how, how else are you using the, well, what else are you doing these days, day to day? With yeah, dogs? so day to day just changes, you know. It might be a field day, it might be going to a trial, it might be going to a clinic, uh, it might be going to the vet, it might be um, training. So I've got a couple of girls that help me with the day to day um feeding and running and exercising and, and training. So we usually do that between one and um, sorry, eight and one in the morning. And, um, and uh, that's, and then I'm, I'm dealing with customers and, and doing stuff on the farm in the afternoon is, is my average day, but every day is a new day, a different day. Hopefully those vet bills are kept to a minimum, mate. Um, so you, you mentioned your customers there, mate. You'd have a lot of repeat customers, yeah? Yeah, look, so probably 70 80% of our clientele are, are repeat. Um, and I always look after them. I always make sure that 
Um, I don't go come in spinner and, and body I've got you, I'll, I'll uh, double the price. I actually do the, the opposite. I usually give them a 10% discount on, on uh, new clients. So, yeah, we look after the, our clients and, and we do a, a very different system to a lot of other studs where we uh, take bookings. We keep a pup aside for that person. We usually start it about three months, four months, um, and then we discuss it and send videos, etc., with the client. And if we don't think it's going to suit, or they don't think it's going to suit, then we just transfer the order, their order. Um, obviously, we, we um, make sure we get paid for that that extra work, but it means you go from paying pup playing pup lotto to getting a short bet. So, um, so it's a system that works really well with our clients. So. Um... You'd have to really get to know your, your customers and the people there and what, what they're all about and the work and the type of dog that would, would suit them, obviously, as well. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I always um, frowned at my grandfather because he, he thought he could judge someone um, by the, their handshake or, or the first couple of words that came out of their mouth. And I thought it was pretty judgmental, but now I actually pride, pride myself on um, summing up my client within, you know, a minute of talking to them. Uh, are you a tie kicker? Do you, are you willing to spend it? Can you handle a dog? Um, are you a hard ass? Are you soft as butter? Um, how much work have you got? They're all things that I, I assess. And if, if they haven't come forth or I haven't worked out that information, then definitely that's part of the process. Um, the first thing I do is find out what they need. How, how accurate are you most of the time? Do you do pretty well on lining up um, dogs? I lovely lady rang today and, and um, you know, I said, right, you're from the city, aren't you? You're, you just want a companion dog. Um, and we don't sell, sell um, uh, working dogs to companion homes. So definitely some of our, um, our rejects are, are rehomed, but we don't sell pups. And um, she said, no, well, actually, got it wrong this time i came to walls and and um and now we want to buy a pup so yeah don't get it don't get it right all the time <laughs> so tell us a bit, little bit about the team you've got there at the moment okay so i like to have a big team probably too big it makes it hard to um uh polish them coming into trials and, and getting them right and, and i'm a real stickler for that i'm very different from um, a lot of other people trialling, it, it gives me confidence if I've done the homework and and, um, and got my, my dogs humming coming into a trial. So, so um, I put a lot of work into that and that takes a lot of time once I start um, doing it. So, yeah, if you see someone out at, in the moonlight at night who should be in bed or watching TV or talking to their partner, that's probably me. And, um, and yeah, so I, I've got a, a team... And I like to have very different dogs in my team. I'm, I'm, again, very different from other breeders who I feel pigeonhole themselves too much um, with one type of dog. I like any dog and will come to the type of dog I like. Um, but, I, but I like lots of different types of dogs. So especially for trialling, you know, you'll go to a trial and the sheep will be very different and they'll suit one dog and not another dog in your team. So you've got to make sure that, the one you've got got um, plenty plenty of um, bullets in the chamber. You've got different calibers if you like, um, and that you fire them. You make sure you fire the right one in the right spot. You've mentioned trolling a few times there, mate. Why why do you trial and what got you into trolling? Okay, so 
when I first got in into dogs, I, I the first thing I saw was a lot of people that were talking talking crap basically and and couldn't couldn't walk the walk and so that's the first thing that i wanted to do is just go out compare apples with apples and and show that i could um could work a dog and and um and did have some good dogs and and since then um pulled me into a great community there's there's some people that are out for themselves and and um not very nice people but mainly there's people from all walks of life that are great people that would um help you if you asked and and um, great company we've all got um uh you know the dogs in common and we can all learn from each other so i've probably you know we'll, we'll talk about later about where i've got gained my knowledge base from and a lot of it has been from competing from from trialing so you just you know you've got to get better every every time every trial i go to right i've got to get better i've got to work on this i've got to work on on, on myself um so i think it, it makes us a better people in many ways um, and, and it teaches them how to be a, a, a very a great loser um, and very humble because dogs are great equalizers and, and you you put a lot of work into a dog you think you've got him right you think you've got the best dog on, on the planet then you go out and he just runs a mark so um, you go right you've got to go back work harder are you are you hearing us all right there mate is it coming through your mouth again Sorry, mate. We're starting to crack up again. I'll um, I'll turn the computer off, I think, and um and see if that's a bit. And if not, we'll have to um play a video and and, and um log out and, and log back in again. Yeah, for our listeners out there, we're just gonna we're just gonna reboot um flow here. We'll just put up a quick video for you to have us do that while it's happening. Yeah, sorry, buddy. I didn't get a word. Um, you're cracking right up there, so I'm not sure how we get around that. Try again. Direction. That's better. That's good. So there he actually 
trying to do also is get what I call a natural stop. And rather than me stopping in, which I'll try to do now, let's see if I can. Him's deciding to stop of his own initiative. So there we go, now we'll go back the other way. Now you can see how he's circling the sheep around in the same direction that he's going. That means it's too close. So I'm trying to block him. Sorry, he's not taking the block, so I just need to step out a little bit more. There. Because of the stop earlier, that's good. And because he didn't like being blocked, starting to slow down and stop. So I'm just letting him hit them too hard, then have to go and get them. Then hit them too hard again, having to go and get them. So he'll slowly learn. At first, it's a, it's a fun game. But as he goes, he'll start thinking a little bit more. He'll start getting out a bit wider. He'll slow down. He'll start looking for the point of control. He nearly, nearly stopped there. So I'll help him by taking him back the other way. There, that's better. That's what I'm looking for. Beautiful. Okay, so once I've got what I want, stop. Quit while you're ahead. So what I'm going to do is go to a, a fence. So I've only got 180 degrees to block. And I'm just going to block him and block him and block him. And you'll always notice that the dogs go up a cog as soon as you decide to stop. Because they think if they go harder, they might be able to go a bit longer. So that's good. Stop him. See if I can get him to come. Don't know if I can or not. We'll see. Keep blocking. There. So he hasn't actually um, acknowledged me yet, so I'm going to just keep applying a little bit of pressure. Oh, you're good. Bang. That's good. Perfect. Lovely. G'day guys and girls, how you going ladies and gentlemen? Um, we preempted that we might have a couple of technical issues tonight, hence um, Joe was um, good enough to provide a couple of videos there in case that happened. So anyways, we'll welcome Joe back. You with us now, mate? Well, we can't hear you again. There we go. Right, we got got sound now. Yeah, we got you now, mate. Um, Beautiful. So we got most, I think, of what we were talking about with trialing. Um, not trying to butter you up, but just to settle a score a bit earlier. I was talking to someone about um, how many Australians are won. How? What? What is that? What's your What's your total there? Yeah. So big fat five, and and I. I'm um, struggling to get the next one, though. But then again, um, uh, Coxie and and uh, and uh, Chris took uh, about fifteen years between drinks, so I've got I've still got probably ten years up the sleeve. <laughs> Not if a few of us uh, younger fellas have anything to do with it, but we'll have a crack. <laughs> Mate, do you want to actually um, talk us through that video just then? Yeah, I'm getting a bit of crackling here, but we'll see how we go. Um, so that video goes back to an article that's going to be in the next um, working stock dog mag and about feel, and that's one of the exercises that I do to um, help the dog learn about consequence. And that, that is, if you want to come in and, and, and 
be a bit of a cock and, and bump your stock and, and hassle them, then you're just going to have to go and pick them up on the other side and hit them again. And then you want to hit them again, you can hit them again, and you can just keep doing that until you run out of gas. And then you might start thinking about the job. So it's, it's almost self-punishing and, and teaching the dog um, uh, that, that if he makes work for himself, he's going to have to work harder. Right, very cool. We've got a training question here. Question here from Amanda Dunbar. When training two or more young dogs, do you use the same commands for each or have different commands for each dog? How do you minimise the confusion for the dogs when working as a team? Is it as easy as saying their name before the command? Short answer is yes. Um, basically, as, as I advance, one of the things I teach is that we talk in tones, not words. So rather than commanding the dog with sit, come behind, steady, here, I'll say their name, Bob, 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 in different tones, and they'll know what I'm saying and who I'm talking to by that tone. So now I can talk to Bob and, and, and Bill, Bill, Bob, 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 Bill, and, and have be um, talking to them in a simple language that they understand. I don't have to think too hard and have talking German or some other foreign language that I can't even, you know, get out, get out of my mouth um, and think about, well, what's that mean in that language? Or, you know, what's that command mean? Am I, I, I used to be round and over for, for left and right, now I'm left and right. So for me to go, go round to one and right to the other one and just do my head in. Um, so just, just keep simple, stupid, use, use their names. A great question. How old, how old was that dog in that video, mate? Oh, wow, this is bad. Sorry, again. How, how old was that dog in the video there, boy? Go to Yeah, roughly, it'd be about 15 months. He's about to go up to Queensland. Yeah. Go up Rama Cattle. Um, he, he was the boy one, get one free almost. No, not, not, not really. He was pretty cheap. He's pretty rough. He's a raw, raw big fella, and, and he'll um, he'll be a good hitman on on those um, Brahmin and, and um, save a few other um, nicer dogs and, and look after them a bit. So, has the style of dog you have in your team now differed from what you started with? Yeah, yeah. yeah look, um, basically what. I, my, you know, reading Tony Parsons' books, got to have a clear goal from the start. So I wrote down my, my goal, and that was a dog that I can take anywhere and do any job with. Um, so it's pretty simple. That's really broad. Um, and, and that's why you'll see me with very, very different types of dogs within that um, parameter, if you like. So one thing probably when I did start is I had some really nice cover and footwork in my dogs. And I've tried to keep that as much as I can, but I've probably had to sacrifice a little bit of that to try and get a little bit more strength. So, yeah, probably a little bit more strength and a little bit more scope. Um, in my dogs, a little bit more vision is, is something that I look for, for that they're seeing the bigger picture because some of my early dogs weren't as much as I would like. Cool. Um, Jill, you've um, but it's actually a bit of an issue. Um, 
what, what are you looking for in your own line? You mentioned a bit of fancy footwork and cover and hold there. I'll try moving to a different spot. Is that any better? It actually did sound a bit better there for a second. Sorry. I'll go outside and see if that makes any difference. Cool. What's, what season is it in Melbourne this afternoon? Is that helping or not? Not really, no. Not really, not yet. I think it's just the connection on this phone, so I'm not sure uh, um, uh, what we can do about that. I, I can hear myself pretty clearly, but I'm... Um, right there, and it works really well. <laughs> I'll try going close to the Wi-Fi and see if that helps. Yep, fantastic. So what are you looking for in your own line, Joe? Yeah, so in my own line, I'm looking for versatility, basically. Um, I, and I'm also looking for beatability. Can you hear me better now or not? A bit better than what it was before. A bit better, yeah. You're scratchy. So I'm no better. How are we going there, mate? Yeah, you're scratchy, but I can hear Yeah, Can you hear me? We will. We'll just keep battling on, eh? Right, yeah. Okay, we'll see how we go. So. Sorry? Can you try? No, right, yeah. Um, we might try another phone. I'll see how we go. Um, so, basically, my, my team has I've been looking for versatility, but one of the things I noticed when I first got into Kelp, was that they were were very hard to control. Um, so I looked for dogs that were more pliable, more biddable, and that would work with you a bit more. So that's come from like pre-blue line, if you like. And um, yeah, there's there's a, a, a dash of collie in there, and I think that has made a huge difference. Um, so still from... We are a bit there, mate. Radio. Okay. I'll see if I can um, um, get another phone going and, and log in on that. No, we'll, we'll play another video in the meantime. Yep, cool. Okay. Actually, we'll play the same one back. How's it going, mate? We got you back. Yeah, how's that? Can you hear me? Oh. He's better. I, I think you need to throw that phone away. This one's perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, this is Sharon's. We're actually just sitting here. Coming up with a couple of other ideas of how to do this, um, but I think we might be cooking with gas now. Awesome, fantastic! Yeah. Nah, that's fantastic. So, we were talking about traits you look for in a dog, um, and like your own line. Yep, fantastic. Okay, so I'll start again because it was pretty, um, pretty blurry. So, um, basically. I'm looking for a dog that can do any job on any stock for anybody because that's my clientele and that's my um, job. And I believe that um, one of the things that make the Kelpie very special is its versatility. So I think whether we're breeding yard dogs ourselves, we should be looking for yard dogs that still have a little bit of scope and a little bit of cast, even if, if they're never going to use them with us, that we're trying to get that in our genetics. Uh, the other thing that I'm trying to get in my genetics that's probably a little bit unique to me is dogs that 
you can talk to, that you can command, that you can do your nana with, and that they'll come back harder. So, um, yes. so dogs that are, are resilient in their mind, um, but also biddable and pliable. Good temperament. Yep. Ah, beautiful. So um, the question that we had was from Mark Wheeler. Which of the sires you have at the moment do you think stamps your progeny the most? And which of your present brood bitches have the same effect? And are they the ones you choose to breed from? Okay, so great questions, Mark. Mark, Mark. Mark's won a bag of dog food too. Well done. I better write down, Mark. Got one. Mark's got one. We're going well. Um, Rightio. So... Bets is by far my, I put down Pack um, about a month ago um, and he was probably my most um, consistent sire. You can straight away, you look at a Pack pup and <laughs> there's no no guessing who it's by. Um, so, so yeah, definitely Pack was, um, but Bets now is, you know, every pup from every litter, again, you can see they're by Bets. They're all good. They're, they're all carry, carry a lot of his traits. What's made him so good is that he has such a wide, well, one is a, is a powerhouse and he's got his, his super um, instinctive, um, but he's got a very wide range of, of, um, of traits that, that he passes on. A lot of um, uh, sires or, or dogs won't pass on particular traits, so you're actually you're going backwards sometimes with some, some dogs. As far as my bitches are concerned, it, it's, it's a great question. What I do is I, is I have bitches that I've sold that people bring back and I have a lot of um, outside bitches going to my dogs. So I've got a real genetic base and I've always got different um, um, faults and different attributes coming into the stud through, through the bitches and, and I'm starting to uh, hip score everything now. I'm starting to um, uh, CA test everything and, and trying to make sure that I don't introduce um, problems that, that I haven't got. So, um, so with all these bitches out with other people, I don't actually need a lot of bitches. And I've got, you know, bitches sitting here that are a part of my work team that may not have had a litter for two or three years. So, um, so and, and it's ironic, quite often your best bitches aren't your best breeders. And, and you know, tricks I don't, you know, is by far my best bitch. Um, and my go-to bitch, I, I don't think I've had a litter from her for a couple of years, you know. So, um, so yeah, a wide range of, of bitches there. So you, you touched on hip scoring there. Is that something you're doing a lot more often now? And, and why is that? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry, I actually um, uh, said the wrong thing. I'm, I'm only x-raying. I, I believe you can yeah. tell from an x-ray, you don't need to get a, get a vet to score it. You can, you can tell whether um, it's right or not. Um, I'm seeing a little bit of it coming into the breed, and I think yeah. it's something that we all need to look at. Um, the dogs I've thought had great hips, I was horrified with when I saw the x-rays and dogs that I, oh, gee, you're moving a little bit funny and, and a bit sus on the way they're moving, had crystal clear, perfect hips. So you can't tell by looking at them. One, one thing I have learned over the journey is if they can't jump, then be suspicious. Um, but in their movement, the way they move, like one thing I've noticed too, and, and the, the kelp has probably gone backwards in some ways and it's gone forwards in some ways. And one of the ways it's gone backwards 
I'm noticing that they're very hoppy in the back end and they're not fluent at the way they um, move their back legs. So it's it's something we all need to be looking at. If, if we're going to breed dogs, it's, it's something we need to be cautious of. Um, and I, I, I thought you could tell by looking at them, but again, I'll, I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong. Man, our hats off, mate, because there's not a lot of uh, Kelpie breeders out there that are x-raying their dogs, and I, I, I've never x-rayed one of mine. Um, so I think that they're moving forward for the breed. If we can do anything to keep them as sound as possible, why not? So yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, that, cool. sorry, mate. We got a few questions coming through now that people can hear us. Um, awesome. It was all right. No one saw it us before, but a few people let us know that um, we did have a few issues. So, um, actually, we we're talking about your your bitches there. Brad and Andrews has asked, would you have Brewer back or Futura Ned? Uh, Ned. Ned. Brew's got far my favourite dog and, and my best mate, and and love him to death. And and he, he's brought a lot to the stud. Um, but Ned was a freak. Ned was super intelligent. Um, uh, big, beautiful car, stay right off your stock, wouldn't leave one behind, all the stuff that we're losing in the Kelpie. Um, and and probably, and, and one reason why I, I struggled with Ned and, and breeding um, a better dog than Ned or, or even another Ned um, was intelligence is the hardest thing to breed, in my opinion, um, or what I found in my experience. So um, that, that, you know, nice, big, leggy, long, go all day, um, almost telepathic um, uh, intelligence. Um, yeah, you, you can't, where do you get that? So, yeah, the, great question again. Brad's got a bag of Oxford right down Brad. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about that style that you like there, how do you go about picking a pup for yourself? Okay. Great question. It's Pup Lotto when they're little pups. Did you put my name down? Sorry? Did you put my name down? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, right, uh, yeah, it is, it's not a bad question. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 that's <laughs> cool. I, I can't take that. Me too, buddy. Um, so, so question was um, picking pups. So, yeah, look, when pups you got no idea and even starter pups quite often change so it's a, it's a really hard thing um it's it's been on on a lot of discussion things and it comes back to the one that you like um is the one that you'll pull out of the pen and and experiences everything if, if you if you give them the opportunity quite often they'll they'll progress um if you don't they won't so it's as, sim as simple as that but yeah look i i one of the reasons why I breed is is to get the best for myself, um, and you'll talk to most breeders that that's why they breed dogs, um, and and really, yeah, it's it's a hard one. But we start a lot of pups. We have a look at a lot of pups. It helps us know what we're breeding before they go out, um, and then we get to obviously see them with the clients um, um, as they mature and grow and, you know, people, we get to see them out on the job and people send us videos and it's fantastic. We get a lot of, a lot of good feedback. Um, but, yeah, definitely there's things I look for in a pup and, and part of its temperament um, and, and just start them and see if you like the way they work and then, then build on that. Beautiful, mate. Um, Laura, do you want to grab that one there from... Mark Mangold. Uh, do you think that eye colour in a dog makes a difference in their relation, 
makes a difference in relation to their strength and their ability to move and have stock move off them. On the whiteboard there. Another bag of dog food. Um, so, yeah, well done, Mark. Yes, the eyes are the window to the soul, and you notice I've got little squinty ones, so I, I'm not letting people into my soul and see what I am. Um, but, yeah, those, those light-coloured those, <laughs> those light eyes, yeah, they, they do draw conflict. And, and again, you've, I'm generalising greatly, but a lot of the light-coloured dogs are – a lot of the dogs with light coloured eyes that I have had or have seen haven't had great temperaments. So it's something I look for is those nice dark eyes. Definitely. You find those light eyed dogs um, probably show a little bit more intensity? No, I think they draw stock because, and, yeah. and yes, intensity draws stock too. And I, and I draw, draw stock, but. Um, no, I wouldn't say that's a, a, something that I've noticed. Yeah, no, cool. You, you lose your bag of dog food. No, 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 that, that's all right. I was just thinking about a couple of my own dogs there. Beautiful. So do you have any uh, young pups coming through that are really impressing you? Yeah, I love Steady Eddie. Um, you may have seen him on on, um, on on a few videos that I've put up and he's a bit of a freak and I don't know whether he's not quite right or is super special we'll, we'll find out in time um but yeah he's one of the few pups that i've had that actually has natural balance um and just tries to get outside his stock a lot a lot of dogs i'm seeing mine included um are getting inside their stock and that is that they're looking at the lead they're not conscious of the tail um and they're not balancing to the to um the handler they're just heading where the stock go, they're heading. Uh, whereas steady, little steady Eddie, he just gets out around them, brings them to me, happy behind them, works them beautifully from behind. Again, a lot, lot of dogs don't know how to work stock from behind. So these are things that I'm looking for. You know, they're just little one-pointers, um, but ways that we can always be improving uh, what we breed. Mate, we know you're pretty passionate about your breeding there. You're right if we start going into some training here? Yeah, no, it'd be fantastic. No, fantastic, mate. They're flying through. Uh, question here from Nathan Cave. How long did it take and what was the philosophy behind your clinic structure? Yeah, so, look, it was some, and another great question, Nathan. Bag dog food for you, buddy. Um, so, look, obviously it evolves and and um, I've been listening to all the, all the great trainers you've had on so far and all of them said they got a lot from Greg Prince. I also got a lot from Neil McDonald, who you had on um, last, last time, but that was 20 years ago and I hope I've evolved since then. Um, and basically I go into every clinic going, okay, how can I pull the best out of this person? How can I make them the best version of themselves? How can I give them um, information that they can take home and utilise and, and, and um, benefit from? And how can I inspire them to actually go out and train their dogs? So the structure of, of my clinics um, is actually from Greg Prince, um, that people want structure, they want to know step by step what you need to do my steps are, are, are different from even though i have 10 like greg had um they're very different and i have a very different way of going about things um but it's structured there's a step 
step-by-step process. It's laid out there for you. You can go back to your notes that come with every um, um, uh, clinic and, and go through them. And, and I tell people to, to it's, it's interesting, you've got, you've got people that are there to learn, you've got people that are there to sightsee and, and just it's just going through to the keeper and mm-hmm. then you've got people who have already made their minds up and, and, um, and are actually funding the school and making it cheaper for the other people that are going. They're just wasting their time. So, so I don't mind all three classes but I try and encourage people, take notes, write it down, put it up on your toilet wall. It'll come back to you. It's information overload. I'm, I'm firing that much information at you that your brain cannot take it. And a lot of people tell me that they actually have a headache for about a week after a clinic and that they're just trying, their brain's just trying to process all the information. They just need larger, to- larger doors in their toilet, mate, to write more info down. <laughs> sure, all the good yeah, thinking's done, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Take down that girly calendar and get some good stuff up there. <laughs> and, and look at that because you benefit a lot more from that. Uh, we, we, we won't take that where we could end up. Uh, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan Friedman asks. Uh, what would be your top tips for a young person when training dogs? Considering how advanced and complex training can get, what are your simple key focal points that you find most effective? Okay, I missed the start of that. Repeat the start of that for me, please. That's all right. What would be your top tip for a young person when training dogs, considering how advanced and complex training can get? What are your simple key focal points that you find most effective? Okay, so basically I get a tattoo gun and I go around to everyone at the clinic and I tattoo a big F-U-N on their head. Okay, (laughs) so make it fun. And we have lots of jokes. We we kid around. I make a fool of myself. I fall over. You know, I, I don't care. I, I'm not worried about any of that or, or how silly I look. As long as I'm entertaining, as long as I've got you realizing it, that it doesn't matter how you look, the dog doesn't care how you look. It doesn't want, care about your ego. All it cares about is those sheep and enjoying itself with those sheep. So if you make it fun for yourself and you make it fun for the dog, then you'll grab a beer, you'll go out there and you'll just have some real good quality time with your dog and you'll progress uh, really quickly. So great question. So who was that? Uh, Ethan Fremantle. Ethan, you're a good man, Ethan. Bag of dog food for you, mate. (laughs) You're going to have a hard time picking one of these guys, actually guys or girls, to uh, get a bag of this dog food, mate. Yeah, no, they've all, all been fantastic. Thank you, people. This is what I wanted was some some real substance and and um, and things that people can learn from and, and take home. I'm going to have a headache tonight after taking it all in. <laughs> you need, she needs a bigger toilet door. <laughs> um, Susanna we'll have, Watt. We'll Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Susanna Watt asks. For those people who don't have access to sheep slash work all the time, the training time we get is precious. During our limited time, what is the most important area we should concentrate working on or is it individual to each person or dog? Bit of both. Um, and great question, Susan. I, I call her SWAT. Um, yeah, no, great question. Probably instinct and connection and, and maintaining both is, is what I look for. So, again, just going over the basics, getting that dog 
balancing nicely, going going well on both sides, um, working on the mode of work, if you, if you like it, or the manner the dog works in and getting that right before you worry about the commands. So you can do that with a few ducks. Um, you can get the connection quite easily by just making that dog your mate and taking it everywhere you go. So you don't need a lot of stock. It's interesting, when I was in the city and I did have my working dogs and I was landscaping and gardening, um, at one stage I lived down at Sandringham Beach and I used to um, use the seagulls to um, <laughs> cast my dogs and, and go seagulls so so where there's a will there's a way um and yeah just a few indian runner ducks and and away you go what did that cost you in chips sorry the in, in the in um, chips uh, trying to work seagulls seagulls no they're, they're, they're they just love me they're free <laughs> another question here from chris egan if a dog is short or tight on one side when training would you encourage it to go that way more or less in the training pen or on small training jobs? Okay, awesome question, Chris. Um, that might be the question. Um, so it's a really good one because a lot of people make issues out of things that aren't issues that will clean themselves up as part of the process if you follow that process properly. So I don't worry too much about it. One thing with with my training, which is is very different to a lot of other trainings, we, we've seen each each trainer that's come on, they've got their little pet hate, if you like. I hate people pushing dogs around. Okay, so I've got a saying: can't make, must make want. So you've got to find a way of getting that dog wanting to go on its non-preferred side. And the best way to do that is to let it go on its preferred side, and then you just come in for the block and double back. And it doubles back with momentum and it's going around on its non-preferred side um, without even knowing it. And then, yes, you'll do two of those or three of those to every one of its preferred side. But, again, it's don't make it an issue. If you make it an issue, you're going to have – you're going to make other issues, whether it's tail turning or, or jumping out or um, shutting down. You're just going to cause problems for yourself. Just go with the flow. It'll work its way out. Um, one of the methods I do with, with um, a dog that I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble getting it to double back onto its non-preferred side is I just go around the fence. I just do laps around the fence, getting the dog to balance to me on its non-preferred non side. The fence is stopping it going around its preferred side, so it works on its non-preferred and becomes comfortable there. You covered that one pretty well, mate. Um, another question here from one of our most enthusiastic and supporters of Dog Talk. Going to thank uh, Belinda Halliwell. Um, she's always uh, sending a couple of questions in, and unfortunately, we can't get to all of them all the time. But the next one here is from her. Uh, what are your tips on getting what you would call a natural stop? Okay, great. So that. That was um, covered in the video that I did before. I'm not sure if there was a volume of me talking in that video. So basically, again, I'm just going to tie the dog out until he wants to stop. So um, I'm not making him stop. I'm not having an argument with him. I'm just going, you go your hardest, mate. And every time you come in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block you and I'm going to take the sheep away from you. And when you stop, 
I'm going to take the pressure off you and I'm going to let you work. So um, it's just a matter of go back to that pinballing um, video. We'll probably put it up on this side and I might put it up on Facey. I'll talk to you about that, whether we do that. Um, and we'll be talking about that more um, in, in the feel article coming out in, in the magazine. Yep. So, uh, so basically just tie the dog out so it wants to stop. Right, beautiful, mate. Don't forget, there's a deadline on that article too, mate. We need to get onto you for that. <laughs> yes, oh, there you go. Communication at its finest. <laughs> I said to both of you today. Got me. Um, Belinda's got another question um, while we're um, here. Um, any tips on the. Sorry, Laura, can you go? Any tips around a bigger paddock area? Not get stuck for too long in the round pen. Okay. Again, I think this might be something where a lot of people actually do get stuck. They they're just not sure whether it's confidence to to move into a bigger area or what, what's your take? Yeah, no, it's good, and, and I find that with um, the girls that that give me a hand with the dogs, that quite often I'm saying get out there and in the bigger area, we've we've got to step up now. Um, so yeah, one of the things I do. Is, is an exercise called gate to gate or yard to yard. So I'm going from the round yard to the next yard next door to it, which is a square yard. And that means that when I'm, I'm going from a round yard to, to a square one with corners, so that brings a new um, dynamic in, into the equation, if you like. Um, but the, the whole point of that exercise is to teach the dog that his job is to put stock through gates if you want to simplify what a working dog is born to do one job just one job you got dog and that is to put stock through gates if you think about it you go out you muster the paddock you put them through a gate you bring them into the holding yard put them through a gate put them up in the shed you put them through gates you put them down the chute you put them through gates so that's a really important thing to teach your dog because one of the things that i'm looking at is letting the dog know what its job is so that once it understands what its job is there's no more argument there's no more sit come behind do this do that it's mate we're doing this and, and you don't have to micromanage anymore. So it's a, it's a great exercise for that. It also incorporates going around stock, bringing them to you, coming to you. The, the, the biggest thing with that too is when you go to the gate, you're calling the dog with you and you're taking it to stock. When you finish working, you're taking it away from stock. So this actually teaches the dog, you come to me and I'm going to take you to stock, mate. So they start yeah. coming to you really quickly. They learn to stop at the gate, but it also helps with the transition from the round yard to the real well, because then we're going to go from that square yard to the next square yard to the bigger area and on we go. So we're just taking those slow steps, same amount of sheep, three sheep you may have noticed, and people might want to ask me why I use three sheep. Um, and people who have been to the schools will know why. Um, but, and we, we can go through that process of going round yard, square yard, slightly bigger yard, holding paddock, paddock um, with three sheep, and then we go back to the round yard, six sheep, go through the process, back to the round yard, 12 sheep, go through all the different areas until we can work, work them all. So, so yeah, a lot, a lot of people find that transition from the round yard to the real world really difficult. So this gate-to-gate uh, -gate exercise just takes care of that. Bang, done. 
Another question here from Dave Rollins. I've been given a two-year-old pure Kelpie bitch who is not trained. She appears keen, however, is prone to cutting out and chasing one sheep. Any suggestions? Yeah, big bit of poly. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, so I've got, when, when you come to my schools, you'll see that I've got a lot of three rules. And one of my major ones is the three metre rule. Okay, so if you're within three metres of your stock, you can impose yourself on that dog and, and run at it if you need to or, or intimidate it or even dong it if you need to or swing a lead or throw a clot of dirt or whatever you need to do to let that dog know that that's not, not acceptable behaviour. So basically, um, two words for you, be there. Okay, be there with that dog. You'll you'll see where when it goes to cut cut the um, the sheep out. Just put the rake in between it and the sheep it's about to cut out, and it will very soon start going around them. So so one of the things we do when um, when we start um, training and balancing up, I basically claim my personal space around me. And at first, you'll know that most pers people's personal space is about a metre wide. If you come into there, there they start getting a little bit, bit uncomfortable and backing off and saying, get out of my space. So basically, I slowly make that bigger with my body extension by just blocking the dog when it comes into that space. And so my space becomes bigger and bigger. And so now you can imagine my, my personal space is now three metres either side of me. So now it's six metres around me where the dog has no choice but to go around those three sheep that are within three metres of me. So, so I'm slowly making that space bigger. See how that works, mate. Do you want to yeah, go if, if not, if not, give me a call or um, or a text or whatever, and, and we'll go through it and, and um, look at different ways. Uh, one of my favourite sayings is that there's many ways to skin a dog, so there's lots of different things you can do. Uh, there's not just one trick in, in in my bag. There's there's hundreds. So um, if that doesn't work, we can try something else. Won't even go with uh, what I was going to say then. Um, but Ben Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's the, had a, that won't go there either. Um, just my lunch. Ben Dixon, um, what are your thoughts on the way a dog carries its tail? Yeah, again, like the eyes being the window to the soul, the tail is is the um, is the rudder to the brain, basically, or the or the way Neil McDonald um, describes it is. Um, what he's trying to do is get a bit of an antenna coming out of the, the, the dog's head so it's more and more receptive. Basically, I see the tail coming up over the back of the head and I know that something bad's going to happen. So, um, so look, some dogs do just have a high tail carriage and it's just the way they balance and the way they work. And when a dog's um, covering and holding and bouncing back and forth, and I don't mind a bit of bounce like that at all in, in a dog, because um, I look for that short cover. It's, it's very important to me that a dog can, can cover his stock and, and block in close. Um, then, then if their tail's swinging around, then that's fine. But if they're slowly walking in and that tail's coming up, you're in trouble. So, um, so yeah, no, I look for for a nice low um, 
uh, almost looped tale, if you like, just totally relaxed. It shows shows that the mind is relaxed, and um, you know yourself. If someone's nervous, something bad's going to happen. So, um, so you want to the, the cool. We all want a cool dog. The problem is with cool dogs is quite often they don't have any other gears and they can't step up. Um, so I'm looking for a dog that can be cool and, and can can fire up and, and get quite um, animated, if you like. Um, but definitely looking for that low tail carry tune if I can get it. But again, yeah. we look we 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 judge dogs on so many different things. Is it a good dog? Does it do your job? And if so, who cares if it's tails like a helicopter going around behind it? It doesn't it doesn't matter as long as it does the job. Oh, cool. Um, I know Laura and I look like a couple of squirrels on cocaine tonight <laughs> all over the shop. As, um, we're just trying to get the, some rhythm to these questions at the moment with the, the problems we had earlier. Um, questions are just all over the shop. So we apologise if uh, we're spinning people out a bit, moving backwards and forwards. We're just trying to get some rhythm to the questions so we can try and keep training with training and, and um, breeding with breeding and, and some kind of rhythm here. Um, so we've got one here from... Ken Gillibart. Uh, Ken Menace, the dogs have to leave the runs at will as a pack when I say okay. One dog that has come into the team has changed the behaviour of the whole pack. Now they all run and chase crazy. Then they have to come back to the runs. They all have to be at heel. Doesn't, doesn't seem to have an impact when working together, your opinion. Okay, I did get all that. What was that? Sorry, one, I didn't get all of that. The one dog running a muck and, and being the cancer, or or how the dogs um, uh, behave away from stock. Does that dictate how they um, behave on stock? Which was the question? Pet pack manager. One before like one dog's disrupted her whole pack. Um, they're all they're all um, just um, yeah running a bit crazy now. Um, yep. And yeah, how, how, what's your opinion on how to um, work with something like that? Okay, yeah, great question. Uh, we had a fellow so, in the Western. So it's not affecting their impact um, when they're working together, just around the camp. Yeah, I reckon it is. Uh, I think it is probably affecting the, um, the work as well. You're probably just not noticing it. Um, it, it does affect how how the dogs um, uh, behave on stock I, I found that um, those dogs that are, are being hassled they're just their mind's not there and the peanut that's causing all the trouble um, it's still staring trouble you may not be noticing it but it's still giving all those signals to the um, to the other dogs and stirring them up so yeah um, there was a contractor here in the western district district's called George Pickles and and he would always say that dog's like a bloody cancer in the camp and um and it is it's it's a it's a bad influence I would I, unless I unless you really liked it I would give it to someone who um doesn't have a big camper dogs and and just has that one-on-one -on -one and it will probably be a good dog for them otherwise I would have that dog on the lead 24 7 and and that is my rule with a young pup, you do not get it until you can be trusted to be a good citizen in my pack. Um, 
yeah, you just you just don't get off the lead. You don't get the chance. You don't get out of jail. You just come with me. You're on the ball and chain, and you've got to earn your right to be a part of this team. Is there a main thing that you see handlers struggle with, um, and where do you think they could improve more, like in terms of like stock handling versus training ability, or where do you with the people you see come through your schools? Where do you think they the most common um, thing to work on is? Yep, great. So who's that coming? Yours truly. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Dan gets another bag of food. Um, <laughs> Right, yeah. It's going to save me some money. Uh, I need yes. I need, yeah, I'm actually nearly out of food, so if we're listening out there, no, 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 I'm happy to pay for it. No, I'm sure they'll look after you, buddy. Um, so the question was? Where do you think the people that come through your schools, um, tra training dogs versus stock handling ability, where, where do you think the main thing they can improve on? Okay. So the, the, the first thing is... Um, is ego they take it too personally and they um worry about that so again first thing i write up on the whiteboard is leave your ego at the gate and stop worrying about how you look um so so i find that that's a, a huge thing and as far as um instinct and, and handling ability i find a lot of people take the instinct out um in, in the process of trying to get the obedience and that comes back to them not reading their stock so one of the one of the exercises we do is we get to be the dog um, and see what it's like from the dog's point of view and you will see how frustrating it is to have this goose who has no idea how to read stock trying to tell you what to do and where to be uh, and then so you learn to shut your mouth and just start listening to your dog and then you start trusting each other and working with each other and reading the stock together and then away you go. So, so yeah, that's probably the biggest, you know, hurdle that we have to overcome. Um, but we get past that pretty quick in, in, the, in the clinics and we get, get into the meat of, of the training techniques pretty quickly. Pretty hard thing to do sometimes just to shut your mouth, I suppose, and, and let the dog be a dog. And like you said before, just be, try and be in the right spot, isn't it? Yeah, so we have some big hair chick there with, with a pair of scissors and a roll of gaffer tape. Yeah, right, yeah. How'd I go for a headlock? Yeah, yeah, that fixes up pretty good. And yes, I've got a pretty good headlock on me. Happy days. <laughs> Do you want to grab that one from Tim Mackey? Uh, I've, seen, I've seen you hold a dog's head up until they look you in the eye. Are you trying to develop a good introduction with the dog or are you trying to analyze their personality or are you doing it finding or are you doing it finding that the result is they become more comfortable and confident with you as the handler all of the above great question another bag of dog food um so basically what you saw in that clip was that dog wasn't acknowledging me and it was just looking through me at the stock and i'm saying no no I'm the boss, I'm here, and I want a bit of respect from you. It's very, very interesting, though, that dogs won't look at more intimidating people like myself because eye contact is, is a sign of conflict. 
in with dogs. So they're actually looking away from you and saying, no, I don't want to fight you, mate. I'd just, um, I'd just rather look down at the dirt. Um, so, so basically I'm showing him by lifting my head up, no, it's good. You can look at me. We're, we're, we're mates. Um, I want you just to acknowledge me, please. So it's just a nice way of saying we're buddies. Sorry, mate. We're just trying to get back on uh, a bit of a rhythm here. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. You're talking there um, a lot. And obviously, you speak to a lot of people and you're talking about um, looking in the dog's eyes and reading them and conflict in the eyes. How good do you get at reading people in these schools um, and before they realise what they're doing? Um, a bit of psychology back in the people world uh, that you use on your dogs. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that, that's every instructor's biggest role is to psychoanalyse straight away and go, radio. how much can you take? I, I sent um, uh, Laura a clip of um, Jack mm -hmm. Nicholson from, um, what is it, the movie? A few good I don't men. know what movie it is. I can't remember. Oh, you can handle the truth. Yeah, that's <laughs> You can handle the truth. Um, so, so, yeah, no, look, you've got to assess them straight away and, and look, learn a lot from Neil. And he said, I just look at how people jump out of their youths, what youth they're driving, how they jump out of the youths, how they get their dog out, what they let their dog piss on, etc. Straight away, as I said, I'll look, I'll look into someone's eyes and, and know what they're made of and what I need to pull out of them for them to get the best for their money. So, so it's really important to me. I'm not doing it to, um, to uh, manipulate or, or to, um, to best them or, or make myself look good. I'm, I'm doing it to find out what I can give them. While we're still on training, um, Karen Higgins has asked, um, when are you going to be in New South Wales next? Great question, um, Karen. Um, not this year. I don't think it's not looking like this year. Um, there, there was a, a, a trip planned to Western Australia that, that got canned because of COVID. Um, I'll see if, if that goes ahead. I won't be getting up to New South and Queensland till late next year, unfortunately. Sorry, but yeah, you're always welcome down here in, in sunny Vic. Sunny? Well, what time of the day is it sunny, mate? <laughs> It was today, mate. I, I didn't get fogged today, so it was a good day. That was for three hours. What about the other th the other um, nine hours that the weather cut in for the fourteen different seasons? No, today was was um, spring all day. It was beautiful. Happy days. Uh, Chris Egan has asked, when you find a standout dog you want to add to your stud, are you trying to replicate that dog when breeding, or just amplifying the traits of the dog that interest you? Okay, another great question. If you're trying to repli replicate the traits of a dog, you're a multiplier, not a breeder. Okay, we should always be at least striving for better. Every generation should be better than the the um, the last. So when I'm incorporating a um, a dog into my breeding team, I'm trying to pull the best out of him. And, and have him pull the best out of the bitch and combine the best of them both. Um, and and that is, is hit and miss, don't get me wrong, but definitely by um, choosing prepotent pre size light bets, you know he's going to put certain, certain um, uh, instincts or attributes and qualities into his stock. 
All you need to do is find the bitch that will compliment them and on we go. So every mating that I do is is not a corrective mating but a complementary mating where instincts are complementing each other. And most importantly, and, and this is something that a lot of breeders have never thought about it and don't realise, the way to get that genetic gain is to have faults cancel each other out. So if you've got a dog with too much bite, you can join it to a dog that doesn't have as much bite. Or a dog that overbreaks, you can join it to a dog that's a little bit straight. You're going to end up with a better dog and have genetic gains. So, so yeah, definitely, Chris, I'm always looking for what that dog can add. Cool. Um, talking about there about straights, when you start wine breeding um, with those like traits that you mentioned with similar dogs, what do you find the offspring or progeny to, how do you find they develop? Okay, so it's interesting. Line breeding is used to consolidate traits, but it also brings out sneaky traits that you didn't think were there and, and amplifies them. So you will actually get some some real surprises when you line breed that you you didn't know were there. Um, so so basically, I find that line breeding you'll lose a bit of hybrid vigor, you'll lose um, uh, a little bit of size, you'll gain a little bit more intensity, which you've got to be careful of getting too much. But it all comes back down to, um, okay, let's breed from the best dogs we can find in the best way and then try and pick the best progeny and see what, if we do get genetic gain, test them out in, in, in real work situations um, and see if they are better than their parents. And if not, go backwards. And, and I've, I've watched what other breeders are doing and, and quite often they'll go down one road and you can see them almost backing up in their genetics and going, oops, I made a mistake there. I need to take the other fork in the road and, and go go in another direction. So, so you know, it's not always one step forward. Sometimes yeah. it's two forward. And we get a, a lot of opinions and um, I suppose I've been hearing a lot lately um, about line breeding. What's your, have you got a favourite um, way of going down the line breeding um, track? Like we hear a lot about, you know, half siblings to outcrosses or grandfather over granddaughter. And I suppose I'm fortunate enough to be speaking to a lot of different people um, between the magazine and dog talk at the moment. And you hear a lot of opinions on it. Um, I'm kind of experimenting a little bit myself at the moment. What, what's your particular favourite way of line breeding? Uh, uncle niece, go, go, go back through history of the best dogs and their uncle niece. Uncle niece. Was that? Yeah, I do a lot of half-brother, half-sister, if, if they're good enough. But one thing we've got to look at with line breeding, you've got to have the dogs good enough to do it because yeah. you, you're consolidating traits. And if you're consolidating bad traits, then you, you, you're just going backwards. So don't line breed for the for the sake of it. You're better out crossing if, if to, to, to top-quality dogs than um, line breeding to one quality dog and, and one not so um, so good dog. So that's the hardest bit with, with um, line or inbreeding is finding dogs good enough to use in a program and solid enough and, and without, you know, real issues back through their pedigree that you're going to actually bring out. So, so that's the hard bit, yes, but short answer, uncle niece every time.
Yeah, uh, that's um, interesting. We've got um, two similar questions here, one from Kane Gardner and the other one was from Josh Parker, um, fairly similar. Um, who Who's your favourite dog that you've had in past or present? Basically, if you're going to go to a trial in the next hour, which dog would you grab? Basil. Every time. Why? There, there's, there's, there's a saying. You sure you don't want to think about that? No. It's going to say quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, because because he's, he's, he's been there for me every time. He gets better in the finals. Um, he learns the course. Um, and, and as I said, there's, there's a saying that champions find a way. He just finds a way. And a lot, a lot of people go, go, oh, shit, that dog doesn't have a lot to him. And, and then quite often I'll get judges when I walk off going, Shit, that dog's got more to him than I thought he had. Because then they're not watching what he's doing. Uh, he's talking to those those sheep all the way around. He's breaking them in from the time he well, actually, from the time he enters the course, he is starting the process of breaking those stock in. And and you'll you'll talk to most trials and they go breaking them in. I, I'm I'm not worried about breaking them sheep in. I just want to get around. Really? <laughs> yeah. in the bloody pen. Um, and not look like a cock. So um, <laughs> no, no one's seen me troll then. No one's going to look like a bigger cock than me getting around. Oh, I, I can't wait, mate. It'll be good fun. Um, Everyone so, watching. So, so yeah, look, that that's that's what all the good dogs are doing. They're breaking their stocking from from the word go. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and and that's why I love um, uh, Bone on Buster, and and that's why I love Basil so much because. Um, He's doing the little one-pointers that, that most people don't see. Do you have a favourite trial to participate in or one you'd really like to get to? Uh, I, I love sheep benching um, because it's a very unique course um, uh, and, and, it's, and it's local trial and it's one that I, I um, have, have tried to make my own and, and they haven't had it for the last couple of years, but, but one that... that um, that I really doing. Uh, Kate Jubb um, pipped me last time, but but um, had quite a few wins there over the years. Um, and I also I don't get up there, but I used to love Henty. It, it was the showcase, yeah. and we should have we should have a Henty in every state where we've got grandstand and crowds and Mike and and really promoting the sport and a real good tough course um, where you've got to work in every obstacle. You know, there, there's no no free there's no free obstacle at Henty. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I like. Brings the um, – we soon find out who the pretenders are and who the real dogs are. Will you be over at the Australian in Tassie next year? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll try to. I'll try my best to um, get across. Obviously, COVID, um, COVID willing. I, I, love, I love the Tassie blokes and, and I love Tassie um, and I'm looking forward to getting down there and um, and whooping some ass, definitely. Yep. <laughs> I'll have a cracker trying to stop you. But um, yeah, I'm sure yeah, many yeah, others will as well. And that's what makes our sport so great is that everyone's trying to trying to knock you off and, and do better than you and that makes them better and that's why and they're it's, nice it's so and great. most of them are nice about it you know it's i love the camaraderie oh one or two are okay yeah <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to ask you which ones but while we're in tassie has there any chance of you doing the dog school over there 
Yeah, no, I'd love to. It's one thing I'll be um, lining up with the boys there. I'll be, you know, I'll be asking them straight up um, if, if we can um, do a school or two in between the two trials or either side of. Um, what do you feel is your best achievement so far? Well, for most people, it's, it's having kids. And and, um, and Shaz and I, I chose not to. So it's my dogs and, and probably not one single achievement, you know, not, not, the, not the wins. It's, it's probably how you win and who you can help along the way. So probably my greatest achievement is, is all the people that hopefully I've, I've given a little bit of me to and, and, um, and help them to, to be better. Cool. I actually got a question here from Belinda, which actually interests me as well. Um, I noticed that you don't really use many whistle commands uh, when you're training and most of the voice. Is there a reason that you choose not to do that? Or I, when you do your videos, do you just use your voice so people know um, what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, both. Both. I'm, I'm very, very clear with my body language and, and actually over overemphasize it in the videos um a lot of people one thing they notice straight away is how discreet my um my blocks and my my body language is and and even my my verbal um one thing about i, I do whistle a little bit out on the job because obviously you can't be yelling and screaming all day at, at distance um so so the whistle's very handy at, at distance but i also find um as i said before tone is so important to dogs and and um whistles are great because they're just a a clear tone that's what i mean but you know i when i say quick to a dog i might be saying quick or go quick 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 um and the dog really feels that desperation in my voice so so i think the tones are, are really important and one thing about yard work is i find it really hard um to to either have a whistle in my mouth or go from here, left, come, I find it hard to alternate. So you end up usually just reverting back to, to um, voice command. Oh, so I can't see all of a sudden, my eyes gone blurry. Um, away from dogs, <laughs> away from dogs, do you have a hobby or talent that people probably wouldn't know about? Be careful how you answer this one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm multi-talented. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, look, look. Obviously, the gardening and and um, and and the horticulture was my thing before, and and I still still um, really enjoy being in the garden. But yeah, probably the footy. I, I love I love um, Aussie rules. I know some of you don't call it footy, and and I love my pies. Go there down the bottom of the ladder and rebuilding. Um, yeah, pretty passionate, Sharon. Um, Sharon can't understand why I yell and scream at that TV, but, um, but yeah, it's a good way of venting and, and um, yeah, probably my main main hobby. But, yeah, I probably don't have enough now um, outside of, of um, the farm and, and what I do with the dogs. Is it frustration you yell and screaming because they can't catch a ball or and they just keep hitting it? or <laughs> No, it's them. Freaking umpires. <laughs> <laughs> Always blame the ref, right? Uh, got a question here from Danny Kerr. Um, everyone is talking about Facebook pages being lost and taken down. I know that's why Dog Talk has been started. Why do you think so many people are still posting on Facebook and not on the Dog Talk pages? 
Yeah, great question. Um, people take a while to adjust. Um, and look, we all post a bit on, on Facebook so that we get a bit of the limelight. And I think the, um, the, the dog talk probably doesn't give people that little bit of, of um, you know, five minutes of fame in, on, in their... Um, and having their opinions so much. So that's something that we definitely need to, to look at. But, yeah, look, if you're one of them gooses who keep advertising your pups on on the Facebook pages, stop it. So find another way. Be a bit sneaky about it. Promote them, whatever you need to do. But you're the cause of those um, pages closing down. Well, there's no need to post on there these days as Dog Talk does have its own working dog classifieds. Free to use, total easy, yeah. Boom, boom. That, that actually come up because um, admins of these group, um, these Facebook groups asked us to, to do something there because um, they were finding it hard to manage um, going through and um, getting to these posts. So like Laura said, that's free to use. So jump on there um, and don't be afraid to comment or add, add material to Dog Talk. Like it's... It's put out there for you guys to use and it's only going to be successful if you guys use it. So put it out there and any information can't be lost. So it, it, it's there for everyone. Yep. Yeah. So um, great, great context there. And yes, we all need to um, try and get on there a bit more. Who would you like to see us um, have an interview here, a Q&A with mate and sit down and have a chat with? Yeah, so obviously I've, I've seen the interviews before and I've thought about this question and the duck one too. Um, Not there yet, um, mate. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so Tony McCulloch, I, I think someone might have mentioned him before, the, um, yeah. the knowledge that that guy has and the way he articulates it is is amazing. I, I, I sit in awe of him and... Um, and would really love to to learn more about the man and 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 learn more of what he knows. Um, and I'd like some of the old school um, yells that were you know household names. Um, obviously, Chris, you've you've they've um, asked, people have asked for before and and, and suggested. Yep. Um, but Michael Johnson, Matthew Johnson, Robert Cox. Um, and probably the one that I'd really like to see if he's if he's in good enough health um, is Jim Luce. He yeah. he was amazing to watch, and, and and I learned a lot from watching him. And you know, people um, ask who who did you learn from? I learned from observing the, these blokes because they were amazing. Um, and and Jim, you know, was always one of those people that I've tried to emulate. You'd always come up to you and, and say, "Joe, you just need to <laughs> need to do the little bit of this or a little bit of that, or your dog's biting around the back, mate. You need to clean that up, or, or whatever." He would he would um, come and 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 give you some really good good just little one pointers um, feedback that would really help. Answered very well, mate. And uh, some of those guys we already are talking to, obviously just trying to line up times at suit um, to to get in with everyone. So watch your space. We, um, yeah, we are, we are talking to, to most of those people that you did mention. And some of them I've just tried to wait so I can get in front of them in person as well, uh, convince them a little bit harder. So um, 
from the night where you have to pick the one person for the bag of enduro class. Dan, Dan's the man. <laughs> no, no, we can't. We can't do that. <laughs> we, we, we can't do that. That's... We had Mark. Um, I actually like Mark Wheeler's question the most. That right at the start, that was fantastic. Nathan, Ethan, uh, Belinda, Susan, Chris, um, Dave, Ben, Ken. Geez, the list goes on. Some fan, Josh. <laughs> Um, Danny, so, some amazing questions. Thank you, people. And, and it's why I came on and what I wanted was some real substance to, to the questions. So they're all fantastic. And um, I'd give you all a bag of dog food if if could be. But I, I actually like Mark's question the most. So Mark Wheeler, if you want to get in contact with us, mate, just message the um, Dog Talk page um, via Facebook there. With um, yeah, Obviously, we've got your name number, address, um, and some uh, whatever the other email address, and uh, we'll get that bag of enduro onto you. Um, mate, one question we didn't ask um, before we um, move on to the question that you're chewing, chewing to get to was if there's a message that you want to get out into the livestock dog world, what is it? We're all on the same side. So um, start helping each other, start putting in, start ring ring or message um, Laura and Dan, um, your yard troll associations, your local working dog clubs, and say, what can I do to help? I think that's, that's a pretty amazing answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, She's really going to have to get a bigger door in this corner <laughs> to get all these notes down. <laughs> so it's the question of the night. Would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of duck? And why? Right. What, what do you reckon? What do you reckon would be? Oh, you, you want to go large. You're going to take the duck with the 20 <laughs> on for sure. <laughs> 20, 20, 20 um, ducks the size of horses. Okay. Why? <laughs> why? Because I like a challenge. <laughs> no, very cool um before we wrap up we do know we, it was a bit hard early on guys and girls ladies and gentlemen i've been chipped for guys and girls before um we know it was a bit hard early on there thanks for, to everyone that stayed on um with that, that and we've gone a little bit later to um to try and get to as many as we could once again sorry to those people that we couldn't get to all the questions um we did try to get to as many as we could and please remember, we learn every day, and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for everybody. Have a good night. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.